Fats are the enemy. Well, not completely. Some fats, like omega-free fatty acids, including DHA and EPA, are important for you. And your closest friend, your brain. However, most foods we eat, including a lot of animal products and plant-based alternatives, contain rather little omega-free. Instead, they include a lot of saturated fats. Unfortunately, these cause cardiovascular disease. Today, you will hear from Andres Montefeltro, the CEO of Cubic Foods, a Spain-based startup founded in 2018. So far, they have raised 10 million and they solve several problems. The first innovation we are going to talk about is their smart fat. It is an alternative to palm oil, coconut oil, and butter. An alternative that has just half of the calories is healthier and more sustainable. This can be added anywhere. To crispy croissants, plant-based burgers, and also meat, creating healthier hybrid products. The second innovation you will hear about is Smart Omega Free. Today, 96% of omega-3 is extracted from fish, which creates overfishing, but also can't be added to your food. Because imagine a croissant that smells like fish. Additionally, a lot of fish oil contains heavy metals and pollutants like mercury. Cubic Food found a way to extract omega-3 from poultry cells. You're listening to Season 1 of Red to Green on Cellular Agriculture. Animal products without animals, like cheese without cows and poultry without chicken. This is episode 6. Check out our earlier ones to get an introduction to the topic. And don't forget to subscribe and share Red to Green with your friends to support the show. Thanks and let's jump right in. Welcome to the Red to Green podcast on food innovations that are better for the planet and better for you. And I'm your host, Marina Schmidt. Andres, can you give us an overview of the different things that you're working on? Uh, in summary, we have two main lines. One is cell-based fat production, and this has a more complex regulatory pathway because it's novel food in Europe. Uh, then we need to fulfill a lot of paperwork. We believe that the omega-3 that today is supported by 96% fish oil uh, need to be sold by a sustainable source. Algae is a, is a good option, but it's too expensive to produce. You need to do a big investment to, to produce algae oil. And using animal cells to produce omega-3 in bioreactors is more competitive and more uh, efficient. And the second line of products is the smart fat. The smart fat has two components. One is to structure uh, vegetal oils with water and some ingredients in order to create a solid, semi-solid fat with no saturated fats. The very healthy profile, uh, because it's 50% oil, 50% water, then it's, you have half the oil content you usually have in a the product, then, then it's lower in calories. Today, most of the low-calorie products, the problem that they have is they are too dry in the mouth because if you you don't have the fat component, the product becomes dry. Then the idea with the smart fat is is to produce a better product in terms of experience for the consumer and flavor. Uh, use this smart fat as a vehicle for aromas. Uh, we have very good uh, uh, meat type uh, vegan aromas for plant-based products that works very well. 
and use the smart fat as a vehicle to deliver that in a more efficient way than, than directly on the protein matrix. The second is that you have a, a less content of total oil compared to the original one because it's 50% oil. And the third one is that by reducing the oil and by, the, in our case, replacing the coconut oil in plant-based products, we have less environmental impact because you can use 50% sunflower oil and the impact is by far less than 100% coconut oil in terms of, you know, tropical environmental impact with the coconut oil today. Then there is a sustainability talk, there is a flavor talk, and there is a health talk related to the saturated fat and the less fat content. Great, and that's look a little bit more into smart fat and then go into the smart omega-3 solution that you have afterwards. Regarding smart fat, what are the plant-based oils on the market which are considered to be the best, like in terms of health and in terms of sustainability? The, the plant-based sector is using emulsion of coconut oil uh, as, as a fat source. And, and we are talking to them to replace the coconut oil by a sunflower a smart fat from us because it's more sustainable and, and healthier. Uh, in the cookie industry, in bakery, um, most of the company has been replacing palm oil and butter with sunflower oil right now. Then I think that there is a trend to go to sunflower in, in many applications. But the problem with sunflower is liquid at room temperature. We generate a smart fat that is solid up to 80 Celsius degrees. Then you can cook, you can manage, you can cut, you can make your products, and, and the product is not spoiling water or oil to, to the environment or to the media. Uh, and this has a new dimension of the use of sunflower. Uh, canola oil is also okay. The key issue with the, with the oil is, is that if you want to move or you want to generate meat mimic products, you need to avoid the vegetal flavor, like olive oil. Uh, and it's very difficult to remove the vegetal flavor. Uh, for flexitarians, uh, you expect to to feel uh, meat flavor in the product, not the, the vegetal or the green uh, uh, flavor. Then it's very difficult to remove Recently, coconut oil has been very much hyped as like the solution for everything, especially on YouTube and Instagram. Coconut oil just makes miracles, um, according to rather non-scientifically validated claims. Um, what is your take on coconut oil? I, I think that the, the coconut oil has uh, medium and and short-chain fatty acids that are very good for health. But the problem with coconut oil is that 80% of the of the fat is saturated. It's heavily saturated, yeah. higher than palm oil. Yeah. Then you need to compare palm oil and coconut oil. Palm oil is better in terms of saturated fat, uh, it's only palmitic. But coconut has very long saturated uh, fatty acid that uh, is is. It's okay, you, you should take just a bit by day. But the problem with this type of product, that if we are moving into a plant-based reality, at the end of the day, you, you probably will be taking, I don't know, 300, 400 grams of plant-based products every day in different formats. 
and its coconut oil is there at 15%, you will be taking 40 grams, 30 grams of coconut oil every day for life, for years. It's the same problem that, that, that people suffer with um, alternatives to sugar, like cyclamate and others, that uh, you forgot that you are taking a lot of coffees daily with edulcorants components. And, and at the end of the day, you're taking a lot of alternatives to sugar every day, all day long. And, and then this, this chronic accumulation of, of a product will be a problem for health for sure because it's very difficult to deal with that. But taking one coconut oil-based product a week, no problem. But the question is, if we are moving in a sector where people take plant-based products every day, then they will have a health problem taking coconut oil all day long. We need to try to choose healthy ingredients that don't harm people if you overdose or, or you take over a long period of time. If the saturated fat content you are eating is too high, then you will have cardiovascular problems at the end. Yeah, it's fascinating. A lot of articles regarding the health of coconut oil refer to one study and there are a lot of articles claiming that it reduces heart disease risk. But looking at the study, this is actually comparing eating coconut oil to eating butter. So they had two groups and they compared which ones are more at risk for heart disease. And it's not like the coconut group was healthy. It's just like a little less worse than butter, um, which in the media just got twisted in such a wrong way. And I will link to the study in the episode and an explanation of it. But I do notice that talking to people, changing their mindset on coconut oil is very hard. <laughs> it's, it's now very much ingrained in um, the culture that it's just a miracle. If you can, could you tell us a little bit more about the process with which you create the smart fat? Well, the, the smart fat is an emulsion of oil and water that is structured with some specific protein and polysaccharides in a way that after you prepare the emulsion, it becomes solid or stable for the, the use in the final products. Then we need to fine-tune the, the type of ingredients and, and the, the way you prepare the emulsion to, to determine the hardness or, of, the, of the smart fat and also, there is some consideration that the smart fat can be frozen and defrost without problem. We are filing a patent to protect a variety of formulas because there is many ones. When, when we dig into the oil structuring process, we identify more than 100 formulas. Some formulas that are very good for creams like Nutella or chocolate creams other that are very good for margarine, other for bakery application mm -hmm. and cookies. And in such application, the key element in the fat replacement is the fusion point management. Then there is a change of phase. You are put you're changing from a solid yeah. form to a liquid form. Uh, and in, in our case, for plant-based products, we don't need to have a fusion point of, of 50 Celsius degrees. The, the opposite, you want to have a fusion point very high enough in order to not lose the oil, neither the water, when you are cooking the product, that this is the problem with coconut oil. It's solid at 25 Celsius degree, but it's a bit warmer 
you start spoiling coconut oil into the middle, the, the packaging or, or during the, the cooking process. Is there anything regarding smart fat that we haven't touched upon yet that's still important for the listeners to know? Probably the, the next step after plant-based and meat products is, is cheese. That also is very important, you know. A lot of people cannot take cheese because the saturated fats, because it's 30% fat, the cheese, and it's animal fat that is heavily saturated. And also you have cholesterol, a big amount of cholesterol. But in smart fat has no cholesterol because it's pure vegan. Then, then if you replace the 30% of the fat uh, of the cheese. And are you targeting B2C or B2B? Are you actually bringing out your own products? We would like to, to be a B2B company talking to the leading food producers in, in the market. We are going to Spain, to the US, and Germany, and, and France, and, and Netherlands. This is the, the first target markets. And we are talking to a top meat producer that they are launching the plant-based divisions because they have all the distribution, all the marketing, everything in place. And it's a strong sector that needs our help right now. And launching, a, we expect to create a brand around SmartFat and, and around the microencapsulated Omega-3. Then we will be more like an Intel Inside type of company rather than launching our own product. How far are you in the process of having the patent and also scaling, having customers and actually using the smart pad in products? We are finding the patent now, probably this week. Then this is a patent application. We will know it will be granted in a year or a year and a half. It takes some time, but at least this will give us the protection, the priority and the protection for the different applications. We are really happy because we are talking with the very big customers that are launching the plant-based divisions. We are talking to the leader company, not small plant-based startup, the big ones, that they need tons of products. And we run some tests with them, with a few kilos, and we are exploring right now in which way we will uh, produce for them uh, these big amounts. Yeah. We have a contract manufacturing organizations helping us to, to serve the option that they, they can produce by in, in their facilities. Yeah. Because in, in a way, if you're thinking sustainability and distributed production, you cannot produce in Spain and, and deliver overseas by plane or by, by ship to the U.S., as an example. Yeah. Because you are moving oil and water in a very expensive way with a big carbon fingerprint, we will produce where the customer is locally. And you, you make a product that will be ready to use. Then you avoid the packaging also as a smart fat. Then you, you don't need to have plastic, additional plastic in, in, in the food chain, in this uh, step of the food chain. Then, then we, are, we, are, we are thinking all, all these aspects in order to be more efficient and thinking in the long term. Then you can have a more competitive price. And, and, and become a real option. You can use a smart fat to replace the animal fat in meat products. Then with this opportunity, we can open a discussion with meat producers to create blend products 
meat uh, protein and vegetal uh, oil. And once I open this discussion, this blend version of the products can incorporate plant-based protein in the near future, then it's a way to reduce the consumption of, of meat in, in the food chain. We need to help them to, to do the transformation because this is not binary. This is not meat or plant-based. There will be a space for, for the blend where you can feed people uh, and doing the, tra the transition from a pure meat product to a pure plant-based product. So there is some transition in the middle. And I think that this transition will occur. Great. Let's look at the omega-free smart fat. And let's start with the real basics. What is omega-free, the DHA and the EPA? What are they used for at the moment? Well, DHA and APA are two uh, essential fatty acids that we need for, for our uh, proper organ function. The DHA is more related to the brain and the eye, and is, and is critical for the neurodevelopment and for the vision development. This is why, by law, the, the infant formulas should have concentrations in all of them from very controlled sources. Regarding APA, it's known now, because it's more recently, that APA is very good for cardiovascular protection. Then after the first infarct, you take APA, you can delay a lot the second the second episode of that could, could be the most risky one. And this is a success. Then a source, a good source of EPA will be need in the next three, four years, because the, the demand for EPA for this specific type of patient is growing uh, a lot. Most of the DHA comes from fish oil that is very unsustainable and it promotes overfishing uh, worldwide. But now there is a good algae that produce a very high quality DHA and there is a trend to move into microalgae. Then what we are doing until we have all the approvals of the omega-3 we will start microencapsulating uh, omega-3 from microalgae uh, in a small microcapsules, 50 micras in size, in order to protect the DHA for oxidation and avoiding sm the fish smell that generates uh, oxidation and the bacterial attack of the omega-3. Then you can combine the microcapsule with a variety of products without compromising the organoleptic uh, features of the product. And the what features? Well, primarily is the smell and the flavor because when, if you put omega-3 in, in a product during the production or the elaboration of the product, the omega-3 become oxidized and attacked by bacteria because it's not in a sterile environment. And then in, in a couple of days, you will have a big fish odor in every in any product. No matter, no matter if it's a cookie or, or a burger or whatever. Then... This is, has been limiting the incorporation of omega-3 omega in food until now because omega-3 has been around for 15 years. And now 80% of the consumption, or more or less, is related to consumption in pills. And then our value proposition is to put the dose you need daily the dose that medical doctors recommend, 250 milligrams of DHA in one portion of food, in a burger, 
or in a, in a snack over the day. Then instead of taking pills, you can eat once a day this type of product and, and you have your omega-3 omega coverage uh, in good shape. So you're culturing the fat or it's like cultivated fat made from poultry cells, right? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And how does uh, your process look like? Well, we are following the same approach you can see in every stem cell type of company. Uh, you know, all the knowledge comes from growing stem cells for cell therapy in pharma. And you start with a, with a bunch of stem cells, you grow along a variety of reactors until you have a, a big mass of cells. And then in a later stage, you differentiate in the type of cell you need to make the requirement in the target tissue. In our case, we, we have been thinking which type of cells can be produced from stem cells without very difficult to scaling up. And then my, my, my colleague uh, talked about the, the fat cells. The fat cells consume less oxygen, consume less resources because you have less cells by liter. Then the cost of the cultural media is cheaper than muscle cells, are heavily metabolic cells. And and even fat cells can, can grow in hypoxia, in very low oxygen concentration. Then you, you can optimize all the conditions better than muscle cells. Um, we expect to have 30-40% fat content in our reactor. That is very high. If you are doing the same by muscle, you never have a 40% tissue in a reactor. Regarding the health, I mean, eating pure poultry fat usually wouldn't be recommended by many doctors. Is the fat that you're creating different from just eating raw poultry fat? Yes, yes, it's different. In animal fat, uh, fat accumulates the toxins of the body. Uh, as an example, in, in our case in humans, if you reduce your weight 20 or 30 kilos at once, the big risk there is that if your fat becomes liquid, all the toxins in your fat will go to the blood and then you become intoxicated right? because uh, antibiotics, paracetamol, anti-inflammatories, a lot of toxins that you put into your body went into the fat components because they are fat uh, soluble. I want to say that if you want to pick a, a good animal fat, you need to be sure that the animal was fed with very high quality food. And in the medium term, people will know that cell base or algae base uh, is the same. There is no difference at all because uh, we produce the oil and we extract the omega-3 like you extract from the algae. Then the molecule you have in your pills or in the microcapsule looks like the same at molecular level. No big difference. Then there is some philosophical talks. I think they will be like GMO. If you want to improve the biological process, you need to do GMO process. You need to improve the biological uh, background you have. We are producing omega-3 using this approach, and, and I think that uh, people will accept that because uh, GMO doing in this condition, don't know affect the biodiversity, there is not environmental impact. 
is only inside the labs. And on the other side, the, the pure organic, the pure natural way of of growing or, or making food is unsustainable. It's only for a for a few. It's very expensive. You need to have the money to pay, and it's not scalable at all. You need ten times the, the, the space to produce the same amount of, of food, and, and you need to to have the money to do all the investment of this. Then, then okay, in Europe, in the developed countries, there is a trend for organic food because people have the money to pay. But in developing countries, nobody can afford that. We need to generate very good food, nutritional food, for the brain of the kids, for the brain of the children, to guarantee them that they have the opportunity to be educated and to and to develop properly. And right now, the big problem we have in the world is in developing countries, children don't have access to nutritional food. All the Bad food needs to be removed and replaced by nutritional plant-based products. It will be affordable in price, nutritional, and will bring the people the opportunity to, to, to have a life, not to not just survive. And once you are inside the food chain, it's easy to me to put vitamin D or omega-3 in the smart fat. Then you can launch a product very easy. No, no big deal for the companies. I think that had a very very high impact in a very short term. And I would like to see that. This motivates me mm. every day. <laughs> Beautiful. And how far are you with your process regarding the omega-3 fatty uh, acids? Are you already done with applying for a patent? Well, I, I think that we will have a enough material by the end of the year and, and we will fight patents next year. Just a matter of focus. Uh, we This year we focus a lot on the smart fat and we had a few. We are only well, 20 people in the company between all the areas and we, we put a big focus on the smart fat first. But next year we expect to, to file the, the patent to protect the overall process. It's more related with the how to switch and how to, to fine-tune the fatty acid profile based on the cultural conditions. So let's move to some of the last questions. If you would have 50 million, in what businesses would you invest in if you can't invest it in cubic foods and it's not limited to the food industry? <clears throat> if not the food industry, it will be in the health industry. I think that we need to have better vaccines, platforms to to deal with COVID type of disease because in the future others will come and, and we need to be better prepared. Then, then in cubic, in cubic foods, maybe in the near future, we can launch cubic pharma and the idea is to produce in the, in the same sustainable way components for pharma, uh, the, the, the raw materials to produce the pharmaceutical product. Then I think that we need to help the food and we need to help the pharma companies to to launch the new solutions. Yeah. Is there anything you want to shout out? Well, you know, there is a lot of people in biology, in pharma, industry, uh, that can be very useful for us. Also, because we are targeting food problems with pharma vision. It's like thinking out of the box. Then then you, you can create uh, and innovate 
with novel solutions, like microencapsulation as an example. We we solve the microencapsulation problem of omega-3 because we we know how to do it in pharma. And the food sector has been that turning around for 15 years. But if you're using the last, the latest pharma microencapsulation techniques in omega-3, works well. This is this is the kind of thing. I, I love the idea of of bringing people for other areas. When I, I had my first startup in Argentina in, in, in related to the IT sector, we, we make portals uh, for for e-commerce in 2000, when, when it was the, the first hype. And, and we combine communicators, content managers, informatic, networking people, programmers, designers in the same table. And this mix of different talents with different visions create very, very good products. Uh, that, at that stage, people doing web pages, there were only programmers. The mixture and the richness of putting all these people together create very, very good products at once. Then I, I, I try to apply the same here. You bring people from the food sector, but also for pharma or even for biopolymer or cosmetics and the cosmetic people has a lot of knowledge in how to deal with emulsions as an example but can can solve aspects of our applications to create new products yeah i find what cubic foods does and what you do it's super interesting i was very intrigued when i read an article about your different types of fats and um so glad that you're working on this and doing this. This is a great innovation that a lot of people will benefit from. Thank you, Andres, for being at the Red to Green podcast. Okay, thank you very much for the opportunity. A pleasure. That was it for today. In the next episode, you will hear Lou Cooperhouse, CEO of Blue Nalu. We will talk about creating seafood without fish. If you would like to get in touch with me or find out more about the show, visit our website redtogreen.solutions. Until next time, let's move from red to green.